And uh, Hebrews 11, verse 23, I'm going to read it out of the New Living Translation, but you can read it out of the translation where you are. And um, this is what I want to start with this morning because it really struck me as I began to read this. Uh, And uh, as you hold it there on your um, device, uh, let's read it together. Well, let me read it for you. It says, it was by faith that Moses' parents hid him for three months when he was born. They saw that God had given them an unusual child. Isn't that interesting? How they explain Moses, how they describe Moses, that Moses was an unusual child. He was not, he was no ordinary child. He was unusual. And I contend to you today that there has never been born an ordinary child. But there are a lot of people that when they die, they die ordinary. But when they were born, they were unusual. They were extraordinary. But something happened from the moment that they were born to the moment that they die, that they were born unusual and extraordinary. But then they come to a place where they die, where they are just... And what happens between that period of time? And we can see even from time. And I, and I want you to begin to stretch for your own family, for your own lives, and then also as it relates to uh, the champion center of the church. Uh, I want you to stretch your, uh, your, your thought process as we look into the future. Number one, when we look back over time and we look back even through the educational process, one of the things that we notice is that when children are unusual and represent their unusualness and do not conform to what is expected of everyone else, then they are termed or deemed problem children. And so the school system has developed a model of what they should be standardized testing of what they should know, how they should... uh, answer certain things, how should they, and so it develops a profile or model. And so if a kid goes into kindergarten and they're their usual selves, they are a problem if they're not conforming to that model. But God has created all of us unusual. And I like to say it like this, <clears throat> that God has created us different and he's created us unique. Different is not the same. Unique is one of a kind. And you know what? The value is in the unusualness that God has created you. But somehow, when there are things that are different, we tend to shun them rather than embrace them. Many times it is because that we have been conditioned by the world that we live in to conform rather than to become who God has created you to be. It says it like this, that Do not conform to this world, but be transformed by the what? So it is the way we think about ourselves, the way we think about our future is what God is saying about us. And not to be put into a mold, not to be put into a a packet that is conditioned on how the past has been but what God desires for your future. 
How many of you believe that God wants you to go further than your parents went? How many of you believe that your God wants your children to go further than you are going? So the Bible says that Moses' parents hid him because they saw that he was an unusual child, an unusual child. Now, let me share something with you here that was really, really interesting because I believe that we live most of our lives focusing on what is rather than what if. That we live our lives focusing on what is, what is, what is, what is, what is my condition, where am I, rather than what if. And a what if statement is a statement of faith. The what is statement is a statement of sight. But what if, and let me just kind of challenge you, what if the culture of the church was a what is, was a what if rather than a what is? What would uh, uh, believers be like in the life of a believer if every believer focused on what could be rather than what is. As you look into your future, I am challenging you that God desires your life to be better than it is because if you're not good, then God is not what? God is not what? God is not done. So if you're not good, God is not done. So what is God doing? He's working some things out on your behalf for the good of those who love him and are called according to his, pers- to his purpose. Do you love him? If that's you, say, I do. I do. Now, do you believe you are called according to his purpose? Would you say, I do? I do. Well, then, if you're not good, God is not. And he's working some things out for your benefit, for your behalf. Uh, So let me just kind of share something with you because I was looking at uh, some notes that I made 10 years ago. And so as I looked into going forward, I also looked into uh, the the, the past. And one of the interesting things that I saw here, can we just talk today? Is that okay with me, with that church? And so one of the things that I look at, because I want to challenge us to begin to go and expand uh, to where God uh, desires and where God is, is leading, one, you as an individual, where, where he's leading you uh, for your family uh, future and also where he's leading the church as a corporate body. And so I looked in some of my notes from 10 years ago. You know what I recorded that 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 uh, 10 years ago, that it was believed that in the next 20 years, that there would be more change in the next 20 years than it has been in all of human history. That was 10 years ago. And do you know what? When I began to look at some of the things that I've written down, we are seeing some of those things that we didn't even think about 10 years ago. But, but, But what I want you to do and what I want you to focus on right now is just let me just give you some of those things as it relates to 2030 that is being uh, forecasted. The average person by 2030 will have 4.5 packages delivered to them each week by drone. Now I know that some of you have 4 and 5.5 packages delivered to you right now. Uh, Because Amazon's just, you know, isn't it beautiful? We wouldn't think about that years ago. We wouldn't, some of the things we didn't think about. I, I gotta tell you that, I never thought I would pay for water. 
I, I don't know about you, but when I was growing up, I was like, absolutely. I don't understand why people buy water when it's free. But now we buy cases of water now. And we drink water that we don't really know where it's coming from, but uh, we even put that in our coffee maker rather than running it through the... Another thing that... Uh, that, that there are things we shun, thing we do, things we do not embrace. But over time, we began to embrace those in many times, many reasons because of tradition. That we don't allow ourselves to dream and allow God to take us to a place where whatever he wants to get into the world, he can get it through us. Uh, I'll give you a perfect, I'll share with you that whatever God has created, he created it for the publish of the gospel to advance the gospel, everything that has been created. And so notice this, 4.5 uh, packages. Notice this next one. Two billion jobs will be eliminated in the world by 2030, and 50% of the workforce will not be employees, but they'll be freelancers. No benefits, more like a consultant. And we can see that that's already happening now where a company will lay you off, but they'll hire you back as a consultant, they'll pay you the same thing you were making, but they save 20% because they don't have to pay you benefits. How about this one? This is interesting. Majority of restaurants will use some form of a 3D food printer in their meal preparations. Now, now this is really interesting because it's interesting uh, because there are 3D printers around now. And if you did not know that uh, Congress has taken this up where uh, particularly there is a 3D printer that can print a, a gun, a plastic gun, that actually will shoot and kill people. So you get the, uh, the, the uh, uh, drawing and you put it into the printer and it prints it up on layers. And you can use that to put bullets in it and shoot someone. It has been done in the world. And so they've now uh, regulated that. And so notice this, it's advancing and it's moving where uh, restaurants now are gonna prepare what you would call the perfect meal. You're gonna be able to order at some point. I'd like a, I'd like a burger with um, 200 calories, 30 protein, 30 grams of protein and about 60 grams of fat, whatever you want. I mean, seriously, it is believed by 2030 that wireless power will be used to light up invisible light bulbs in the middle of a room. You won't be able to see the light bulb, but it'll light it up. How many of you know that you can be in Canada and you can turn the lights on in your house right now? So, so I want you to see this. I want you to see uh, there are dramatic predictions, and this is what was looked at 10 years ago. You know what? There is no way I even thought that I would pay somebody to uh, load up my groceries and bring them to the curb. There was no way that I thought that I would pay a restaurant of, or an entity that's not even related to the restaurant to bring me my food because I don't want to get out of the house. I mean, you think about that, and some of the things you thought you'd never do, that you're, you, they're a normal part of your everyday life. 
But much like producing the weather, it is uh, the further you look out into the future, the less accurate our humanly predictions can become. But Isaiah 46.10, it says that God knows the end from the beginning. So it doesn't matter how far in the future for God, how far in your future, God already knows the end from the beginning. And so what God does is he can give us, if we will listen to him, instructions as to what we need to do on the path that goes from where we are to the end that he has already seen from our beginning. That's why that we pray, order my steps in your word so that I do not sin against you. In other words, order my steps so that tell me how to go so that I don't miss the trail, miss the pathway that you have for me. There's a commercial out, and you've probably seen it. It's a retirement commercial, and, and, and it's a green line. I, I don't know the company. Remember the company. It's a green line. And so people get distracted, and they were looking in windows about the shop, and they say, stay on the path. Stay on the path. And that person gets back on the path and ultimately ends up where they desire. So my, my challenge to, to, to you today, my challenge to uh, the body of Christ, our challenge to us, is that, that, that God is the creator and God has given us the, uh, the, the ability to think beyond what is to what if. And there will be a lot of pressure to conform to what is, what's already present. And as a result of that, many people never fulfill their potential simply because that they have received pressure from outside parties that have limited what, what God has instructed them to do. With that said, let me give you a couple of what ifs. What if the church, what if people were truly excited about God's ability to transform a person's life? What if the church created environments where people who don't know God can spend time with people who do? What if non-Christians wanted to come where you were just to stand in the middle of that experience. Why? It's because there are some people that are in, in the world that needs us to take them where they've never been before, but you have. And there is a presence that they are searching for in their lives. And it is that presence that, that, that is, is crying out from the inside, but they don't know how to get there themselves. They need you and I to take them there. But to do that, that there must be a thought process that is not conformed, and there is an action that is consistent with what God desires, the end, rather than what is at the moment. And so let me ask you this. What if the world saw the church as the epicenter of life? You know what an epicenter is? It's where things revolve around. And you remember in the old days, it, it, by the way, in 2030, it is predicted that faith, uh, over 50% of the people uh, or, or relative to the, the percentages now will begin to embrace their uh, faith again. And the amazing thing about it is that there was a time growing up, if you remember, where the church was the center of the community. Uh, even in the, in, the, in the word of God, it tells us that when God decided to build the temple, what happened is that he had the most gifted people that were part of 
what we would call the church today. But something has happened where we use our ability, we use our creativity, we release our potential not inside the church, but outside the church. So it is a place where we come to be consumers rather than where we come to be participators. Does that make sense what I'm saying? And so what happens is that we come to receive, but we go out to give. But what God desires for us to receive, to give, to go out, receive and give, and then we begin to be filled up and to be poured out, to be filled up, to be poured out, to be filled up, to be poured out. Why? It's because keep in mind that God is bringing you new relationships and partnerships in this upcoming year in your life that will fund your God-given assignment. So we look at this and we recognize then that what if that we created the kind of environment where people did not have to go outside of the church to be created? A place where we became the narrators of the human story and so often that if things are different inside the church, we criticize the church being like the world. Whereas God expected the world to be like the church, it's just that the church didn't embrace what God had created first. And so because we didn't embrace it, it came to the world. Whenever God wants to get an idea into the world, he sends it to a believer first, but if you don't do it, his word cannot return void. It must accomplish what he has sent it to do. So what happens is that he give it to someone that will do it until you are ready. That's why the Bible says the wealth of the wicked will be transferred to the righteous because the righteous just wasn't ready to receive it at the moment. Even when the children of Israel went into the promised land, God said that, look, you've got seven major enemies in the land that I promised to Abraham. I did not drive them out all at once because if I would have, there would have been no one to take care of the land until you got ready for it. So as we began to look at this, as we began to focus on what it is that we decide that our thoughts has to rise to the level of God's thoughts. Our creativity has to rise to the level of God's creativity and the potential and the, uh, and the possibility that he has placed on the inside of us. There was, a, <laughs> there was a, a king, and the king had built a fleet of ships. And the Bible says that he built it because he wanted to go get the gold, or all these precious, valuable uh, metals um, that were there. Uh, and it was another uh, a, a country that, they were, that he was going to sell to. So he didn't build a, sh a, 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 a uh, ship, but he built a fleet. Other king says, let us partner with you. And he says, no, no, I'm going to do this all by myself. And the Bible says that a storm came and tore up the fleet of ships. He had built the ships, but he had never set them out to sail. And rather than waiting for your ship to come in, rather than waiting just on God, that perhaps God is saying, it's time to send your ships out. It's time for you to go out and to begin to use what I have already given you. And so what we recognize then is that if we were a place that could be so creative to tell the, the uh, become the narrators of the human story, and that we told the story of Jesus Christ in a powerful and creative way, and that it would shape the cultures, what if 
that people would come and they came and they were able to understand what was being said and demonstrated. And Jesus was a perfect example of that because everybody else, you, you, you look in the Old Testament that the guys were preaching and um, uh, one fell out the window and, 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 and broke his neck and died because he was so bored. Jesus comes and they say, why do you tell stories? Why are you creative in why, how you minister? And Jesus says, not everybody, in Matthew 13, not everybody is ready to receive. So I tell stories to nudge them toward readiness, to nudge them. So we're talking about a bigger table. What's important in, in, in setting that bigger table is that there are some people that are already ready. There are some people that are already eating. There are some people that are about to eat, and there are those that needed to be nudged toward readiness to receive the meal. And when we look at this and we recognize then that it's so important of the story and how the story is told uh, because uh, sometimes truth is lost in a bad story and what is not true is spread through a good story. We know that to be the case. Truth can be lost because it's not told well, but a lie could be believed because it's told very well. And so when we recognize that, then we recognize that what Jesus was saying was that there has to be a good story, but the story has to be told in a way that people can eat it, receive it, so that they can spread what they have received. 